This podcast is intended to provide information for educational purposes only and to serve as a starting point for you to have a conversation with your personal physician. Nothing stated on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Consult with your physician before undertaking or changing any treatment plan. Hi, I'm Dr. Matthew Weiner from the Pound to Cure Weight Loss Program in Tucson, Arizona. I'm a weight loss surgeon. I'm a non-surgical weight loss specialist. I've also written a few books. And I'm here with Zoe Schroeder. I'm the dietitian of the practice. Great. And we are doing our very first podcast. And this is something we've talked about for a while. That's exciting. And we're doing it. And, you know, in our practice, we really want to educate patients. That's what we found. I've been doing this for 15 years. And what I figured out is that if you get the patient as educated as possible, if you teach learn as much as you possibly can about the weight loss process. You're going to be so much more successful and you're going to have such a better experience. And so our goal is to help you learn everything you can about all forms of weight loss, whether it's weight loss surgery, whether it's these new GLP-1 medications like Wegovy and Ozempic, whether it's nutrition. So in our practice, we really offer everything. So if you're in Arizona and interested in seeing us, we provide non-surgical weight loss in the form of GLP-1 medications like Wegovy. Ozempic, Monjaro. We're, we're really aggressive in helping people get their insurance to approve these medications. We obviously offer weight loss surgery. I'll do complicated revisions, surgeries, as well as first-time procedures. And we also have a fantastic nutrition program that I think is the most comprehensive program in all of Arizona, maybe the Southwest, I'd argue. It's our first podcast, so we're totally experimenting here. But one thing that we've talked about a lot is the news. What's your thought about what nutrition information is provided in the news? Oh my gosh. Well, I think... Just like social media, things are really hyped up and there's like a a buzzword that people latch on to and it gets spun out of control. And so I think that because that's what's so circulated in the media, it's what people grasp onto and view as truth. And that's actually part of the reason that we wanted to start this podcast in the first place is to create this space of science-backed information that our listeners can trust that it's not going to be a bunch of spun-up BS that who knows what celebrities endorse it. I mean, I was looking at some topics that would be popular videos. And as we kind of look at, make content and see what people are searching for. And when you look up Wegovy, which is one of the medications we prescribe so much, the videos that got all the attention was, Wegovy ruined my life. I've been throwing up for months since Wegovy. Not the, hey, I lost eight pounds this month on Wegovy and feel like I'm finally in control of my appetite and food cravings. Mm -hmm. That video gets like 32 views and the Wegovy as hell gets... 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 views. So for some reason, people are clicking on this. This probably means no one's going to watch our podcast. Clickbait. So we might have to kind of tweak that a little bit, but (laughs) we want to address some of these things. So looking at, there was an article in Rolling Stone, and I'll read you the topic that says, Ozempic users report stomach paralysis from weight loss drug. So much help, right? So this talks about how patients develop gastroparesis following taking Wegovy. We know without question, this is one of the mechanisms of action. It was essentially designed to do this. It slows the emptying of the stomach so that the food will sit in there longer and you feel full longer and you have less drive and appetite for food. And so gastroparesis is one of the intended consequences. Now, if you then go and try to eat a Big Mac and a large fries with Wegovy on board and this gastroparesis, you can imagine what's going to happen. Yeah, so much hell. So much hell, (laughs) exactly. And so, you know, 
that's where the right dose and the right diet comes in. Right. And so I think it's so important when you're looking at these, these, this clickbait about, hey, what trouble is Wegovy causing these days or what problems are there with Monjaro that you recognize that this is put out there to get your attention. Mm-hmm not necessarily to provide the truth. And so we're going to, every week, we're going to take a new article and address it and make sure that we focus on and provide some accurate information. So yes, there will be a little bit of gastroparesis with Wegovy. That's the point. That's the point. (laughs) If you cut down on the dose and you eat the right diet, it's very manageable and actually quite comfortable. And you can eat small amounts of food and feel very full for a long time. Zoe, just give us a few minutes of talk on what someone who's taking Wegovy or Ozempic, I know we have a support group that Mm -hmm. specifically addresses this, but what should someone eat if they're taking Wegovy? What's the right diet on Wegovy? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we really focus on eating as much of a whole food based diet as possible, right? right? Vegetables, fruit, whole food, less processed protein sources, nuts and seeds, beans, all of those great things. However, what I work with patients on is recognizing that yes, the whole point is you are eating a smaller amount of food, so you won't be able to eat as big of a volume, which means we do want to prioritize those high quality protein sources and also filling in the gaps, I like to say, fill in the volume with your vegetables and your fruit. So after weight loss surgery, we really emphasize protein. And then there's this point somewhere in the six to nine months after surgery mark where we flip people from protein to produce. Mm -hmm. Do we see this with Wegovy too? I mean, is that what you're seeing in your support groups? Right. And I think it's important to keep in mind that as your body gets used to the medication, just like after surgery, you naturally will start to feel hungrier. You naturally can eat a bigger volume of food. And that doesn't mean that you did anything wrong or that, you know, you stretched out your pouch. No, it's just, it's expected. And we want you to actually eat more food. It's just a matter of eating more of the right things, which is where we then make that flip-flop. Like you were saying, okay, let's make the majority of the volume of your diet coming through produce and making sure you, you know, still get some great protein in there, but it's not what you're filling up on mostly. And yes, to answer your question, (laughs) we do see that same sort of thing with the GLP ones. Yeah, I think that's interesting, huh? And and it doesn't surprise me at all because when we look at the hormonal changes that we see after weight loss surgery, weight loss surgery is not mediated by making the stomach smaller or preventing you from absorbing calories. It's changing ghrelin and leptin and GLP-1 and other hormones. When we address weight loss from a hormonal perspective, we're probably going to see very similar things with surgery and medications because they're really working the same way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the power of this. And what's also really cool about it is that they don't necessarily overlap, that we can get more weight loss when we combine the surgery and the medications together. It's not like they're both using the same channel. So if you had surgery, the meds don't work. That's not true at all. The meds work great after surgery. And I think if there is a right answer for how you lose a lot of weight, keep it off and stay comfortable for the remainder of your life, it's the surgery plus the medications. That's how we're seeing 50, 100, 150, 200 pounds sometimes in our patients Mm -hmm. of weight loss. So I think that's really exciting. And I, and we're just, we're just at the very tip of the iceberg on this stuff. We, we have not really gotten down to, to what the power of combining all these therapies can do. And I I think in the next 10 or 15 years, we're going to see a substantial decrease in the rate of obesity in our country. 
think that'd be incredible. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. yeah. So videos. We put out some videos this week on heartburn after sleeve gastrectomy. Sleeve gastrectomy is a fantastic surgery, but we do see about 5% of patients develop significant acid reflux. So the videos are on Instagram, TikTok, or one of all of our social media channels. What we didn't talk about though is nutrition. So what if someone's struggling with reflux, what diet, what nutritional strategies can they use to reduce acid reflux. Mm -hmm. Well, we can kind of think about this in in two capacities, right? We've got the short-term kind of like immediate foods that we want to avoid to reduce that reflux, meaning super acidic foods, right? Think citrus, tomatoes, those sorts of things that we feel in the immediate term causing some heartburn. Irritates the lining. Right. Right. And then more so in the long-term, actually Diets that are high in animal fat can actually increase that reflux as well. And so we do want to work towards making the majority of the diet, like we were talking about before, more so plant-based, getting protein in through plant-based sources. That doesn't mean you can't have animal proteins, but that's why we also like to say lean animal proteins (laughs) as like a lower in fat. Yeah, that's a great point is that, you know, On the surface level, we just want to reduce a food that causes the immediate irritation of our lining. But if we're really going to get to the bottom of the problem, Mm -hmm. that's where this whole food plant-based diet really comes in. So I think that's a great thing that we should probably make a separate video about is acid reflux and nutrition, especially since most patients who do have heartburn after a sleeve have relatively mild heartburn that they can manage with medications. It's certainly the exception that has to go to surgery. Well, I think something that's so important for long-term success is accountability, right? It's like that bridging the gap between knowing what to do, learning everything, but actually doing it. And so our nutrition program really focuses on the support group, building that connection and community while also getting, you know, obviously all your questions answered, really a personalized support in your pre-op, post-op, even if you're not getting surgery, if you're focusing only on nutrition. So we really try to offer a bit for everybody. And the other really cool thing is that even though, yes, we offer in-person sessions in our beautiful space here, most of our online classes are via Zoom. So we actually have the program open to everybody in the country. Absolutely. We have people, we have people from out of the country, don't we? That's true. Yep. Switzerland, Switzerland, Canada. (laughs) Yeah. And how many support groups do we have in a day? Oh gosh, we have a lot. So anywhere between I'd say five and six support groups a day and we also have obviously the one-on-one space we also are really grateful to our peer leaders who have our peer support so lots of good stuff in the nutrition program our next segment really probably the biggest portion of our podcast we want to answer questions. So we get tons of questions in through our social media channels and we do our best to answer them, but a lot of them really require more in-depth answer. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so we thought that we would use the podcast to take some of these questions and answer them more thoroughly for everybody so that you can get a better answer. So so let's kind of walk through this. Yeah. So why don't you take the first question here? Sure. So from Karen over on YouTube, based on our video, weight loss stall four weeks after bariatric surgery. Surgery, is this normal? So she she's in a stall for five weeks and she's eight weeks post-op. This is very frustrating. Understandably so. I mean, I think that a lot of people can relate to yeah. experiencing a stall. And actually, you know, actually just today in one of the support groups, somebody was saying, okay, so what should I expect with weight loss, rate of weight loss after surgery? And I said, you should expect that 
Some weeks, the scale will go down. Some weeks, you should expect that the scale won't move at all, <laughs> and that's the expectation because it is. There are going to be the, these periods yeah. of frustration. But my main thing with this is, you don't want to do something extreme. Somebody said, "So、right. should I fast for three days?" Um, no. <laughs> so, so what we want to do is keep controlling what you can control. Are、yeah. you reaching your fluid goal? Are you reaching your protein goal? Can we add in more veggies? Can we add in more steps? That's something. I, a concept that I really like to focus on is not necessarily what do I have to restrict or、right. take away,、yeah. but what can I add? And I think that is really applicable to so many, so many. No matter like where you're at in this journey of weight loss, is focusing on what you can add. Not only takes away kind of that negative restrictive mindset, right, right. it also just rouses out those things you are trying to avoid.、Yeah. That's I think that's why we get along so well is because I could not. Agree with you more. The pound of cure. Our program is based on a pound of vegetables, which is really the first part of our nutritional program is adding a pound of vegetables into your diet.、Mm-hmm. So we start by adding it in. We don't start by restricting you.、Right. And that's so, so important because nutrition. You should be able to enjoy food. You should be able to get through your day without starving to death and feeling miserable. And so any nutritional program that you're not comfortable on, you're probably not going to、yeah. stick with. That's something I, I, I always a concept I really like to drive home. Is if you are well, so we're always told, or maybe we used to believe that in order to lose weight, you have to eat less. You have to eat、yeah. less, eat less, and exercise more. But the reality is, is the more that you try to fight against your hunger and fight against your body, guess what? Your body will win every time, <laughs> and it ends up backfiring.、Yeah. So I think that's something that we certainly agree on: is we don't want you to be feeling hungry and deprived. So it's about eating as much as you want to to feel full, but what you're eating. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, fantastic. So, next question. This is on YouTube, and it's gastric sleeve versus gastric bypass. What's the difference in 2023? So, this video is actually when I work with a new patient, I kind of bring out my computer and I do the whole drawing that I have on this video. So, I've done that talk. God, probably a thousand times. So anyway, I, I put it up on YouTube so that people could kind of, especially if you're a new patient, and you want to watch it before you come and meet with me. That'll kind of jump us ahead so we can really talk and, and ask specific questions like this one, which is: Is it okay to have the gastric bypass if you have symptoms of IBS beforehand? And, and that's a fantastic question because it definitely is an issue. There is no perfect way to lose weight. That's the honest truth. And especially if you have fifty, seventy-five, a hundred or more pounds to lose weight. You can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs, <laughs> and and so if we go on a diet to lose a hundred, one hundred and fifty pounds. Often the diet that's necessary to lose that type of weight is incredibly difficult to follow, and beyond what most people are capable. And even if you do follow this crazy perfect diet, you still might not lose all that、yeah. weight. So there's a lot of imperfection there with nutrition alone as as the therapy. The GLP one medications. I mean, it's that the the what they call it, complete hell. The, the, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The, yeah, so much hell. <laughs> so much hell. So much hell. Right. So the gastroparesis, some of the side effects. I mean, there's definitely these medications take some adjusting to get used to, and there are some negative side effects, and we can work through them. But again, not perfect.、Mm-hmm. Surgery, sleeve. We already talked about reflux. Gastric bypass has its own issues. After a gastric bypass, you're very sensitive to certain foods, and so if you have IBS, where you're essentially already sensitive to certain foods, that's probably going to get a little bit worse. Now, ideally, with the gastric bypass, with the medications. 
with our nutrition program, the nutrition gets much better. So there's that element of it too. So we may see some offsetting of that. Do you have any thoughts on IBS or gastric bypass food sensitivities? You talked to a lot, a lot of people about their food yeah. sensitivities after gastric bypass. Well, you know, something that I think is important to keep in mind is that IBS specifically, certain foods trigger some people and don't trigger yeah. other people. So right. it's so, so individualized, which is what I feel like I say a million times <laughs> a day because, you know, everybody is so different. But the main thing is identifying what foods are those triggers and I'm staying away from those foods, but also recognizing that a food that maybe you were triggered by before surgery might not cause the same trigger afterwards. So it's a matter of relearning your body and, and this new anatomy that you... If you're enjoying our podcast, please consider joining our online nutrition program. It's just like the podcast, but you get to join in the show. Dr. Weiner, myself, and our peer leaders host over 25 support groups weekly over Zoom and cover all the same topics that you enjoy listening to every week. Whether you're just focusing on nutrition using the Pound of Cure approach, are taking a GLP-1 medication, or have had or are planning to have bariatric surgery, we can help you maximize your weight loss efforts. To join our affordable program for unlimited access to our group nutrition sessions, go to www.poundofcureweightloss.com nutrition. You can also check the show notes for the link. We hope to see you on Zoom soon. Now have... Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think just to kind of simply answer the question, maybe maybe the IBS may get a little worse after bariatric surgery. You're going to gain so many other things with yeah. the weight loss and the controlled appetite and the improvement of your blood sugar and blood pressure and all those other things that come w- along with it. But your IBS symptoms might be a touch worse and you're going to have to rely more on nutritional strategies to control them. Yeah. All right. Take the next question. Zoe. All right. Cool. So over on YouTube, Irene asked, oh, it was based on our, our video over there. Why should you avoid Avoid refined oil and dairy, and she had a question, a follow-up question. Thoughts on oat milk? Sure. And I love this question partly because I get it all the time, and so I think oat milk has really had its moment. It's had its shining, buzzworthy moment yeah. we were talking about earlier. But the thing is, is that oat milk, as a milk alternative, most of them do have a lot of sugar in them, right? And do have a lot of carbohydrates. Now, something that we talk a lot with our patients about is. We don't need you to count calories or count carbohydrates, but but I like to, to view it as you want to have awareness, right. right? Just like with calories and vegetables, for example, the same sort of thing goes for this. So visualize a bowl of oatmeal, right? And how do you feel after eating this bowl of oatmeal? Feel really full because you're getting all that sure. fiber in there. Sure. You're getting some protein. You know, it's, it's very filling versus drinking a glass of oat milk. Maybe they both have 20 to 25 grams of carbohydrates right. in there, but how much more satisfied right. would you feel? So with all of that to say, I prefer recommending unsweetened almond milk as a great base for smoothies and that sort of thing in terms of oat milk, not my favorite milk alternative. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? I, no, I agree with you. I think even more important though than whether it's oat or almond milk, and I totally agree, almond milk is definitely the preferred choice over oat milk. But I think more important is what else is in that? 
the、mm. artificial flavors,、right. the artificial sweeteners, the sugar. Some of them are full sugar sweetened,、yeah. right? So I think the first step is to get make sure that you're doing the unflavored, just the straight up. Essentially, it's water notes or water and almonds. Right. And then from there, if if you're already there, then maybe choosing the almond milk over the oat milk. But either I'd rather someone have oat milk unsweetened than sweetened almond milk. Wouldn't you、oh, agree on right. that? Right. Yeah. yeah no question. But if it's a brown sugar oat milk <laughs> shake and espresso, bro. <laughs> it's oat milk. It's healthy. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So for our last question, this is from our YouTube video: Optimal Weight Loss Combining Nutrition, GLP-1 Medications, and Bariatric Surgery. So I'm four and a half years into Ruinwai. This is a overseas patient. So、uh, they lost 35 kilos, which is about 80, 85 pounds, and it was a second weight loss surgery. She's put on 10 kilos, which is 22 pounds in the last five months. That's a lot of. Weight gain in a short period of time. So when someone's gaining, especially after a bypass or really any weight loss surgery, twenty five pounds in five months, five pounds a month, something's going on. That's not just I'm eating a little bit too much. There's something else at play. And here we find what is at play in this next line. I don't think I'm doing anything differently. I am on lithium, major weight gaining medication,、mm-hmm. but also vitally important to people who suffer from bipolar disease and insulin for diabetes. Insulin is essentially it's a weight gaining hormone. You Take insulin,、right. you gain weight. We we see this with diabetics. As soon as you put a diabetic on insulin, they gain twenty or thirty pounds. So, and just started an antidepressant, anti-anxiety medication. Don't mention what it is, but I could guess that it's probably a weight a gainer, something、do. like Abilify, Risperidone, something along those lines. And I'm going through the changes of life. So, men, let's put menopause in there as well, right? I mean, forget about it. I can't. If, if you want, <laughs> perfect storm. It's exactly what this is. Insulin, lithium, probably a weight gaining psych med. Menopause. Also, four and a half years after a ruin Y, the magic of the ruin Y is good for four to five years. It doesn't wear off completely. It's not like you're going to regain your weight, but that's certainly where people start to have to work a little bit harder to maintain their weight loss.、Yeah. And so, so then, you know, I think the saddest part of this is the whole whole line that I'm in Australia, and due to my diabetes, I'm able to see a dietitian for free. So it's time to take the offer up. Feel like such a failure. And I think that the the most important message here is that you are experiencing a side effect of medication. Medication, and that side effect happens to be weight gain. You're not a failure. Any other person who is put on this exact same medication regimen would gain 10 kilos in five months. That's just the effect of these medications. And so it's so important that you take a comprehensive view. And the truth is, nutrition alone is not going to solve this problem. Right. You know, you have to address: Is there a medication besides lithium that you can take and maintain your mental state? And this new anti-anxiety medication, to me, even This medication would have to work really, really well because it's causing a tremendous amount of anxiety from the weight gain we're seeing as、right. a result of it. And so you have to make sure you factor in the weight gaining component of medications when you determine whether or not it's a good choice for you. And so this is a person. If they were in my office, I would immediately get them on a GLP-1 medication like Ozempic or Monjaro. In the U.S., we'd have no problem getting them approved. I would aim for Monjaro. It's way more effective, and that would help to get them off the insulin. Then I would also have Have them work with their psychiatrist to look at their new medication and lithium and see what our options are to come up with something like lamictal or trazodone that may be a little less obesogenic. What would you have this person do in your? Support group in your office if you're meeting with them. Yeah, well, just to kind of mirror what you were saying is, this is, does not mean that you're a failure, that the surgery has failed. Whether or not medication has a role in this weight regain, I always like to use the phrase 
pause and pivot, right? It's not that everything is going yeah. to hell. Yeah. It's that、Sometimes、we can it feels that way. zoom out,、yeah. see what's going on, because when you're in it, it feels like it's. Yeah. You can't get out.、Helpless. of it. It's helpless, right?、Yeah. So being able to zoom out, Dr. Weiner had so much great insight to share on the medications. See what's going on. So from my perspective, I would do the same thing: zoom out, let's see what's going on here. What are you eating on a regular basis? Do we have an area of opportunity to add more、yeah. stuff, add more vegetables, add more, right? Add more of those good things that we were speaking on earlier. And like I said, pause and pivot. So if there is that area of opportunity. Opportunity to maybe make some positive changes to the nutrition. If maybe some things, maybe some old habits have slipped back in that you do want to reprioritize, then we can use that as the opportunity to make those baby steps in the right direction to avoid feeling overwhelmed. Yeah, that's great advice. I mean, fantastic. So I think if you're out there and you're listening to this, I hope you are. Pause and pivot. Take some time and really recognize that that this is not something that you've done. This is a consequence of some medical conditions that you've had,、yeah. and and you know it's really unfortunate. Last question, Zoe. That's all you. Okay, this was a question that came from Instagram. A post about are you getting great post-op support? So the question reads: Well, I sent an email to nutritionist, dietitian. Right. Well, yeah. Don't get me started on that one, but that's fine. We'll carve out a little time in one of the podcasts、yeah. so you can address that issue. Sure. Sure. So this is a question about calories. Letting know my stats. What whether or not am I eating enough calories? And the average calories in August totaled about six hundred and forty-seven daily, and no response. So obviously, to make a more Comprehensive answer. There's a lot of questions I、yeah. would want to ask this person, but just kind of that umbrella answer, since that's what we have. Right. In our practice, we do not give calorie targets. Targets that we give are fluid and. Depending on how far post-op you are, protein goal. It's more important where your calories are coming from. Those whole foods that we spoke about earlier, high quality, you know, lean protein sources, fruits and vegetables. Eating to feel full and satisfied of the right things, and knowing that if you are working with your metabolism in that way, we don't need to get super nitty gritty about、right. those calories. And I think that a lot of people can get really hyper focused on tracking calories and doing that sort of thing. So obviously, I would want to know a lot more about your stats that we don't have here. But you know, there's just there's so much more that goes into it than just、yeah. that. What、yeah. what are your thoughts on calories? I mean, I think calories as the the problem with this whole calorie in and calorie out model, like you just eat less and exercise more, is that all of this assumes that they're independent variables. That the amount you exercise or move won't affect the amount that you、mm-hmm. eat, and that the amount that you eat won't affect how many calories you burn. And the truth is, they're totally interdependent. So this is not arithmetic. This is high level calculus that we're doing because if you eat less, your metabolic Rate is going to go down. The problem with it is our body regulates our calorie consumption and our calorie expenditure to try to maintain a certain weight, our set point.、Right? Our bodies are made to survive. Yes, metabolic、absolutely. adaptation, and they're going to stay at the same weight. They're going to be very good at keeping you at that same、right. weight. And so, the harder you fight through calorie restriction, like you said earlier, you're fighting against your body and. You're gonna lose every time. How long can you hold your breath? Thirty seconds. Could you train yourself to do it a minute? Probably. What about twenty minutes? Could you train yourself to hold your breath twenty minutes?、You、I、can't. don't want to try. <laughs> no, you can't do that. And so you have to recognize that 
this is going to take more than just calorie counting. And it sounds like, you know, you're not getting all the nutrition that you need. If you're somewhere out there, our nutrition program is open to anybody. And I can promise you we'll, we'll address these questions for you and help you work through this so that you can come up with a nutritional plan that's going to work for you. And just a little uh, side note that I did want to mention, if you've had surgery and also the GLP-1 medications, as you were mentioning earlier, play a role with your hormonal response, yeah. which does impact this, this metabolic rate. So a lot of times calories, so if let's say somebody who's had surgery is eating 500 calories a day, losing weight and they're, they're feeling full and they're doing these, all these things, quote, quote, right. Somebody who perhaps haven't hasn't had surgery, but who has been dieting for months and months and months right. and eating 500 calories and isn't losing weight, that's a different situation. Totally. So yeah. the yeah, context is critical. Right. Right. Yeah. People can be eating 647 calories in their second week after surgery, meeting fluid and protein goals and doing everything right. And people can be eating 647 calories of chocolate cake. And that's <laughs> the only thing they're eating in a day. And they're not on medications, haven't had surgery. And that's obviously a terrible idea. So the context and and where you are, what kind of medications you're on is everything. So yeah, that's a great point. So I think that wraps up our first podcast. Yeah, I'm proud of us. I I thought it went pretty good. I had a great time doing it. And I hope it was helpful to you. We're on pretty much all the social media channels, Instagram, TikTok. Yep. Dr. Weiner will not be dancing on TikTok. Nobody ask him to. Yes. As much as my daughters (laughs) demand and tell me that I have to, I'm not going to dance on TikTok and I'm not going to point the words. Head on over and ask us a question. We, you know, obviously want to know if this was helpful to you and also what questions we can answer for you next time. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Pound of Cure Weight Loss Podcast. We'd love to hear from you on your favorite social media platform. Check us out at at a pound of cure. If you're in Arizona and would like to become a patient in our practice, please call our office to schedule either an in-person or telemedicine appointment.